Welcome back to another episode of the Blue Stable Podcast, the official Colts podcast of Fan Sighted. And real quick, guys, before we go any further with Colts football, NFL news football, we do want to express our condolences, our prayers, our heartfelt thoughts with our co-host Rashad McGinnis, his family, his other native Louisianan, Raging Cajuns, whatever, whatever. Um, I, I can't remember. I can't think of off the top of my head what what we call them. But everybody, you know that that lives in Louise, Louisiana. Uh, what what's going on there right now? Um, our thoughts are with you. Our prayers are with you. And man, uh, it's it, it's gonna get crazy down there. So, um, other than that, guys, we do have a. Interesting show for you today. Of course, I am Michael Tarazos, as always, joined by Destin Adams. And again, Rashad will not be able to join us tonight. But we do have a special guest, a special interview later on in the podcast with Eddie McGilvra. Quiddy Pays, trainer in the offseason, in the summer offseason. We got to sit down with him and ask him a couple questions. So definitely stick around for that. But uh Destin, how how are we feeling after preseason is finally done and we're we're heading into real football now? Yeah, I mean, it fe- I felt like this offseason took forever. Um, I've said that multiple times on the podcast, and I'm just super excited that week one's here. Um, excited that we're just a little under two weeks away um, from the Seattle Seahawks um, home at Lucas Oil. I'm going to get to be at the game uh, first season as a season ticket holder. So super excited just to see that environment at Lucas Oil. Definitely. And, you know, I can't wait till week two. Of course, it's coming up fast. It's coming up quick. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know why I'm not. What? I don't get excited for the Seahawks. I'm more excited for this Rams game than the Seahawks game. Oddly, like well, I mean, I wouldn't say it's odd. You're 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 coming to town, like you're gonna oh. be you're gonna be at Lucas Oil. I feel like that's an obvious reason to be more excited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hell, I, I got to get with Colts management, Jim Irsay. They're gonna oh, give yeah. me my own my own uh, autograph booth. So make sure you stop by at what what, what are the park parking lot uh stalls um at parking lot. I don't know. Okay, I was I, I that was a complete flop and f- fail. But see, you're you're, you're, <laughs> so, you're used to you're used to well, da- you're used to that Dallas stadium where it was like parking like available within the stadium, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, like right in, there. In, Indy's not that way, man. Indy, Indy's this Lucas Oil is in down like just boom dropped in uh, downtown Indy. Um, there's like some parking lots around it, but it's not like on site. Oh man, I'm. I'm still waiting for this for this trip, man. I'm just excited to get there. Uh, another thing I'm excited to talk about on this show are some takeaways from from preseason. Now, there we have had so many conversations about quarterback, receiver, Ben Bandigu starting over Taekwon Lewis. I mean. Which one do we want to get into first? I mean, I feel like we're just going to be beating a dead horse. This is Jacob Eason's team. Screw Sam Ellinger. Get healthy, by the way. Um, Carson Wentz. Apparently, he's a horrible leader now. Some idiot up at Indy Star wanted to write an article about that. But um, 
this is Jacob Eason's team. So I don't really think we need to get into that too much unless, you know, before the Seahawks game, it is confirmed. So we'll just hold off on that. But one of the takeaways from preseason for me, of course, is, well, first, I have two of them. First, you guys take preseason way too seriously. First off, uh, all the yelling and the cursing. And I even remember being at the Cowboys and Texans game there with my family. People were sitting behind us that were Cowboy fans that were pissed off. Like, like it was a real game for some reason, like saying these dudes suck and they didn't even know the guy's names. And it's just like, it, it was all crazy. But that was number one. Number two, again, man, it's going to be the pass rushers for me. It's going to be the pass rushers. Uh, Quiddy definitely showed some signs of, you know, eagerness, some really good stuff. Kumoko Toure looks like he's better than he's, you know, he's in the best shape and form he's ever been as a Colt. Ben Banigou, who's going to be coming off the bench. Uh, I mean, obviously he's had the strong camp that we had hoped for. So depending on what kind of snaps he'll see behind Pay and Toure and Lewis, we'll, we'll um, Michael, continue to monitor that. But did you notice that, Near the end of that last preseason game, they they were throwing Ben out there in the three-tech. In the three-tech. I'm telling yeah. you, man. I'm telling you. We're about to trade DeForest Buckner to Minnesota. Ben Bandigu is going to be the new guy, man. I'm telling you. I, I try. Okay, no, I can't even say that convincingly. But, look, uh, I, I'm happy for my boy Ben, man. I'm telling you. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for that 53-man uh roster tomorrow and... at 4 p.m when you guys are listening it's today at 4 p.m um that'll that'll be unfortunate um if we're listening to michael talk all this and then out of nowhere ben banagoo gets traded for like a fifth round pick or something but i honestly i i, I wouldn't say that i've ever been like a ben banagoo hater um but i definitely not a tcu fan not a guy that's like supported him as long as you have i definitely would give you the nod of being way higher on ben banagoo than i am but I've loved what Ben's been able to put on this preseason. He's gotten a lot more snaps than some of these other guys in preseasons. So we've got to see a lot of him, but I mean, he's done a lot. He's done the most he could with those snaps. Um, I feel like he has had at least one game where it felt like he was the MVP for sure, in my opinion. <coughs> um, but I really, I really like, like you said, with what we've seen from a lot of these young edge rushers. I mean, it's going to be, they have a big job to fill if this defense is going to be what we want it to be. Um, they're going to need to take that step. Um, they're young, but you can't you can't use that as the reason all year. Uh, so I, I really am excited. One one of the takeaways that I'm going to go with is I feel pretty affirmed with me being pretty skeptical about the cornerback room. Um, we know what Kenny Moore is. He's a stud. Like I'm I'm not trying to speak ill on Kenny Moore in any slight when I just talk about the cornerback room. So just take him away from this. I'm worried about this second outside corner. I think Xavier Rhodes um, can be good. Do I think he's going to be as good as he was last year? I don't. Um, I don't think that's realistic um, to imagine him replicating. But I I think he's going to be fine. He's going to be very suitable. I'm worried on this rotation at this second outside spot. Marvell Tell wasn't able to really flash it all during the training camp preseason area um, there's some beat writers that don't even think his job on the roster is locked up I, I would be very shocked to see him get cut but 
some beat writers in Indy um, think his spot is one of those on the fence bubble spots. Hmm. Um, Isaiah Rogers, I think he's looked good during camp. Um, I think you've, we've heard a lot of him just about every practice. Um, and he's worked even on the outside. I, I viewed him as an interior corner for the most part, just because of the size speed. Um, but I mean, in that Buffalo game last year, I feel like it was his best game of the season, um, obviously in the playoffs and he's had a good camp. I'm really interested to see what that works out to be, but a lot of questions in that cornerback room, and I don't know if it's going to come with another move being made before the season. That's not usually Ballard's way. I'm going to get a starter right now, but I, I'm, I'm worried about that second outside corner spot. That's my first takeaway. Well, look, going into 2022, next season won't be a worry because, of course, Derek Stingley Jr. will be on the roster because we traded for him uh, and drafted him as well, so... That's going to be a good thing to, you know, wrap our heads around a little bit. But we got to talk Colts football right now. Um, Yeah, the corner spot from what I've seen, is it just me? Or have I not heard Rocky Sin's name all camp, all preseason? Is that just me? I mean, it's definitely been him and Kerry fighting for that outside spot. Like I said, like tell – fading into the background during camp. I don't know if it was the year off or what, but he did not take that step that a lot of fans were hoping he would. But, I mean, it felt like it was Carey's job for a bit, but Rock, it feels like Rock is the favorite to be that other outside spot, at least in this last, like, 10 days. It really feels like that's been the route that's going right now. But, hey, what do I know? Yeah, I'm starting to – uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. The, the defense looks all right. Okay, it looks okay. I think we're still pretty solid on the 50-man roster projections we made with Zach last week. So, oh, man. Um, where, where do you even start with that corner room? Uh, Sean Davis, the veteran, was released today. So, starting to clear up the safety room. Andre Sachery, right? Sachery. Sachery. We okay. only spent an entire episode trying to figure it out. I, I, have, it, I have it in my I have it in my notes. Okay. Um, big shout out to Rachel Sachery on Twitter helping us out with that as well. But Sachery, I'm gonna have that down for the rest of my life. I don't, I don't yes, care when Sacheray. he retires. Sacheray. I don't care how long he's a Colt. It's in here. It's in my head now. <laughs> there you go. Sasha Ray. All right. So I've, I've second guessed it again. I haven't had time to go back and uh, listen to the show again. But Sasha Ray, excited to see what goes on there. I'm pretty sure we have a good idea. But in terms of the young pass rushers, again, I mean, I'm not going to put too much on Quiddy's p- plate. Uh, I almost went pay. But <laughs> I am not going to put too much on his on his plate. Ben, as great uh, as he's been this year, we always have to remind ourselves what did he go up against, and most likely he might not be seeing those same quality of starting tackles in the regular season. So let's not just say, oh, he's a bust because he doesn't generate that same type of pressure consistently. And, and same with Toure. I mean, everybody talks about Quiddy's sack against Detroit I mean both him and Toure completely just ran right by their their uh off the tackles I mean they just straight and up Toure, and Toure was running against Sewell there you go and because Sewell's trash and his little brother's better than him and he's going to commit to TCU so it's just it's amazing to see for Toure 
look, man, he, he definitely looks like he's gained some muscle, which I love to see. I want to see him get better in the run game. If he can put that whole game together, man, and keep that same athleticism, oh, man, I, I think I think it took some time. But I think Ballard has really hit on a draft pick at the edge rush position. Now, Taekwon, I just feel like he's hit his ceiling already, which is a good ceiling. Um, but I don't think he holds on to that starting job much much longer opposite Toure or opposite Pay if Toure continues to play at a high level. I just don't see him maintaining that job. Uh, other than that, your boy Granson, what's, uh, what's going on? Because I got told that I was just nitpicking one game. Well, not me individually. Like he was talking to me like I'm important. Telling other people that study the game, oh, it was just one game of drops. Well, really, it's been four total now. And something's got to give, man. What What is going on with your boy, Kylan Granson? I mean, it's it's wild because it feels like in the same game at times, Granson can go from just having a terrible day to his numbers getting called a lot and he's making the grabs, he's making the plays. But, I mean, he, he's got to hold on to the ball. I mean, there were some that I will give him a pass where Eason was kind of – Eason was lasering a lot of throws. I mean, you can tell that's, that's one of the problems that Eason's going to have to work through if he's going to – I mean, if he does end up having to start week one or in the future in general, if he's going to start games in the NFL, he's going to have to learn when and when where he needs to take some off. But to me, the rule has always been if it hits you in two hands, you make the catch. You're in the, like, like this, is, this is the NFL. This isn't peewee league. This isn't high school ball. Like, I mean, you're in the big leagues. If it hits you in both hands, you make the catch. Did Eason make it easy on him some of those throws? No, but, I mean, he's got to catch some of those. So, if he wants people to believe it was only one game in college and he doesn't have a drop issue, um, he, he's going to have to definitely turn it up regular season. I think his snaps are going to be a little bit limited anyway. It looks like the Colts are probably going to end up keeping four tight ends um, after they ended up making that claim um, to grab – I don't know how to pronounce it. Allow Warren? Yeah. Um, it it looks like they – Or something like that? Apparently they've been – pretty interested in him the entire offseason he's moved on to his third team this offseason they've tried to get him both times he's moved um, via waivers um so i don't know i mean it looks like um i can't imagine they'd be that interested in the guy i mean last year we saw it similar with noah togai toa guy togai togai um and he and he ended up making the roster um, and ballard praised them too he praised them for what he did in philadelphia which wasn't much but he talked about him quite a bit. They really liked his athletic profile, which, going back, I mean, this guy um, – say his name one more time for me. Cahale Waring. Waring. Um, Waring, I mean, you go back to his draft profile. I mean, he's not really done much in the NFL. Um, I believe that I heard that he's he's had a total of nine targets and four catches in his first two seasons. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, not much work um, at all. But you go back to that athletic profile, he's got that. Um, so, I mean – they've been really adamant that they want to add to that athleticism in that room. They want some speed in there. So I think they're going to end up keeping four. Um, we'll see how that works out Granson wise, but I, I really do think he's going to end up being a very limited participant the first year anyway. Well, I don't want to say that I told you so. Hey, but I told you so you, literally, week, you literally said two sentences ago. Not to overreact about preseason football. Let, no, let's no, no, let's no, give but, the kids some time. Hey, I'll give them some time, man. But 
I do want to highlight, I told you so. What did I say last week when Zach was on the show? I want to start Mo Ali Cox. I want to get more athletic. I want to get more athletic on the field. So I would probably retire Jack Doyle, even if it wasn't his decision, and just get more younger guys in here who can run up the field after hey, they catch the ball. With the but, left tackle situation, Jack Doyle is going to have to be that second. He's going uh, he's 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 to have to tag teaming. He's going to have to chip. Yep. And shoot, I wouldn't even call it a chip. I'm going to line him up right next to the left tackle. Screw I'm chop blocking someone's ass or something if I'm out there next to that left tackle. But, uh, and also when it comes to Kylan Granson, look, I mean, you came out after the draft and you made comments. This isn't college football, man. There's no one's just going to forget about those comments. You said it was just one game. I've worked on it. I'm not going to kill you. You haven't even played one true rep of NFL regular season football. But this is the pros. This is the NFL. You come up and make declarations like that. You got to stick by it, but you're a rookie. So I'm not going to go on a whole rant about it, but trust me, if it don't work out this season, boy, I'm coming for your ass. Uh, but hey, usually, usually I would tell you that you were jumping the gun a little bit, but I mean, it wasn't just this last preseason game. Granson has struggled with drops in each one. I thought one of the best throws um, pocket work in general that Easton had in that first preseason game oh, was, on, yes. was on the Granson throw that ended up being an incompletion where I've rewatched it multiple times. I still feel like he fumbled it out of bounds. But I, I think so too. I thought he had, I, I thought he took like two steps when he had possession and then uh Carolina defender just knocked it out. But I mean, that, that still was a great throw. That for some reason Easton doesn't want to get credit for, but if Ellinger made it, oh my gosh, um, I just had to get off that, get get that off my chest. But uh, other than that, man, are there any other takeaways? I mean, Hot Rod, surprisingly, hmm. not really surprisingly, but to the casual fans, surprisingly, won the kicking competition. There was never a kicking competition, but uh, Eddie Panerio, I want to say Panero. that was his last name, Panero. Uh, Panera Bread, whatever the case may be, Eddie Panero definitely earned himself a job in the NFL. I mean, we'll see after how what, these cuts go. For yeah, sure. that that's exactly what the scouts' job, pro scouting in the NFL is for. You're watching all kinds of games. You're taking all kinds of notes on so many players. That's why that's why some of these roster cuts are taking a little bit of time because they're steady watching that same position. Okay, is there going to be a guy? that we think is better than our current guy that's going to hit the waiver wire. Is that going to happen? That's why it takes a little bit of time. So this seems like a silly takeaway from preseason. But, I mean, if you really look back on the kickers that the Colts bring into training camp, they almost all get jobs elsewhere, even back in Vinatieri's days. Remember when King Shung Hu or whatever his name? I, I can't I'm telling remember. you, the, Col- the Colts have just been bringing in these other kickers into camp knowing that they're not going to take the incumbent's job. It's just not going to happen. I, but they have to have a battle. You have to have competition yeah. in every spot. Like, you preach it, you have to do it. So, I mean, but, I mean, we've seen it everywhere. Cody Parkey had a pretty successful career in Philadelphia before he got hurt, obviously. Chase um, McLaughlin. He, Chase McLaughlin last year. Ended up, I, I think he's in Minnesota now. Cleveland. He's in Cleveland now. He's in Cleveland now, but he was in Minnesota last year. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Chase McLaughlin's went and got a job. That's just that's just off of Hot Rod. But, and remember, I, mean, I never heard of – I don't want to mess up his name. Kim Jong uh, – no, that is not the word that I'm looking for. Kim – I can't remember what his name. I'm going to look him up. Um, 
But I remember when this guy's name popped up. And he's the kicker for the Falcons. Um, his name popped up and everybody was just like, who the heck is that? Uh, we're bringing in no names to replace Adam Vinatieri or to give him competition. And look at that. He gets a job with the Atlanta Falcons. And is actually one of, what, accurate kickers in the league? Hey, if you're like, a fan, if you're a fantasy guy, I'm pretty sure he was like a top five fantasy kicker last year. There you go. Trying to get his name right now. Um, See, I have a guess on what his name is, but I'm not about to butcher it when you're about to. Yeah. No, no reason to make fun of myself right before you give me the right answer. Dude, I literally just looked up Atlanta Falcons kicker, and it gave me a list of history Atlanta Falcons place kickers, and his that he's not on here. Gosh, I hate the internet sometimes. Matt Bryant? No. Oh, yeah. Matt Bryant, his time has come and gone. Um, he is do- It is Young Hoku. Young Hoku. Yeah, there you go. Young Hoku. Young Ho. Huh. All right. That's pretty so- close. But, but my guess was going to be, I'll say it now that I have his name right, but I was going to say Young Choku. Um, but okay. it's, it's Young Hochu. That was pretty close. It, it, it was close. It was close. So, Young Hoku, I mean, I remember when his name popped up in, like, the list of tryout kickers that Ballard brought in when Adam Vinatieri was struggling as well. Um, And everybody was just like, oh, no one knows him. He's sorry. And now he's one of the better ones. So uh, could we have gotten a seventh-round pick for that? I don't even care if it was, like, in 2026 draft. Just give me another pick. Hey, we saw Um, the Giants. We saw the Giants trade a kicker that didn't win their battle to Carolina. So for a seventh, I feel like Panera was – was perfect the entire offseason. Um, they, they even lined them up in training camp and were taking shots from above from 60 plus and they were both hitting. Oh man, it, it, it's been interesting, man. The this preseason has definitely obviously it's probably one of the better ones we've watched, probably because there wasn't one last year and we waited much longer to see live football. I think um, it has to do with having young quarterbacks in the room. We haven't we've just haven't had that in a minute. Probably. I mean, we're probably just making headlines because we're bored and, you know, Sam and Jacob don't probably have a future in the NFL. I think that's the case for Sam, but for Jacob, Hey, I mean, who knows? Uh, We're going to get into that here in a little bit, but moving on here, look, I, I, I really hate when this stuff happens. I really don't want to see it. I feel like it's always the inevitable but injuries are a part of the game. And unfortunately, probably, you know, and we're discussing like around the league here a little bit, some of the bigger ones. Obviously, J.K. Dobbins from Baltimore uh, tore his ACL on freaking fortunately, man. I mean, I'm not entirely sure if I was that high on him like everyone else, like saying he's ready to break out. I don't really I don't really agree with that too much. He was going to be running back two behind Lamar Jackson. So Jackson was going to be taking all the rushing yards. But again, I mean, regardless if you're running back two or running back seven, man, dude, what a crappy freaking injury to take in the last preseason game where no starters need to even be playing at all. Not even the running back. I mean, it does not make sense. Jonathan Taylor, did he take one rep in this preseason? Yeah, I mean, no. I mean, I mean they, they just didn't see a need. But I wouldn't say no that need. J.K. Dobbins was not going to break out. I mean, last year the dude was 
piling up the yards after carry. Dude was carrying people. He 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 just the talent is there. Yeah, it sucks for any player, but you really hate to see these young guys um, go down with these type of injuries. Travis Etienne, another one running back yes, across the league uh, that's going to end up missing the year. But I mean, he, he's in the AFC South, so there's probably some Colts fans listening that are not that heartbroken. Um, but I hate seeing any guys of this talent, of this type of nature, go down with injuries. I hate injuries in general. I don't care if it's a player I dislike yeah. and don't want on my team. I hate injuries ending a guy's year. Hey, man, I wanted to see Lawrence and ETN at the next level, honestly, man. I mean, I, I really wanted to see that. For sure, for sure. I mean, ETN, even if I thought the pick was just didn't make sense, um, yeah. it, it was still going to be a fun connection. They were going to use them in fun ways on the field. It sucks to, for those guys to lose it to, to injuries. But, I mean, Ugh. back to what you just said about guys not playing in the preseason finale. Personally, I, I just don't see a need for anybody whose spot on the roster is locked up, 100% locked up. No worry in the world that this man's name is not going to be on the 53 to play the last week of preseason. Um, I thought Quiddy Pay and Toure played too long. I think Ben played – Ben Banigou played too long in the last two preseason games. I felt like they were just piling up the snaps for no reason, personally. Like, those guys aren't getting cut. Those guys are staying put. What, I mean, here's – when it came to when – it, when it just comes to Banigou real quick, if you didn't play last season, I don't think you're in any position to say, oh, I should sit out these reps. I think Ben wanted these reps. I don't even care if it was 50 snaps. He wanted these reps, and I think it was good for him. Yeah. Maybe you're right. I just get worried when I see no any yeah, notable sure, players sure. on the field. I mean, J.K. Dobbins was a perfect example of it. Shouldn't have been in the game. Like, he had – getting those reps were not going to help him at all. The only thing that could happen um, is nothing or what happened, sadly, and he tore his ACL. But – Injuries are not just around the NFL. It's also in the Colts locker room as well. Um, some notable ones. Sam Tevy goes on the season ending IR. Um, I don't think he was going to end up being on the 53. Um, but again, you hate for a guy to lose the year to an injury like this. Um, so his season's over. Um, Sam Ellinger ends up not tearing his ACL. It felt like the coaches really thought he did. Um, they didn't say that he tore his ACL. Um, but how they were acting post-game, they, they were very much prepared. Um, he ends up having a very rare sprained ACL. Um, so he lucks out there. Um, that's, sounds like what, uh, that's what Anthony Costanzo had last year, right? I think so. He, it, it was like a very rare ACL Now, I, when you hear Colts injuries, I feel like the word rare just gets thrown around. We had two guys get bones found in their feet this offseason. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's just it's the world we live in. But Sam Ellinger is going to miss that 6-8 realm. Um, so if he does end up making the original 53 tomorrow um, slash today when you guys are listening, he'll probably get put on short-term IR either way. Um, Desmond Patman left the last preseason game with a little knee injury. Um, they haven't really talked about the significance of that injury yet. Um, Taekwon Lewis had some shoulder stuff. He did practice today, um, today though. Um, TY um, is a pretty big one that came out recently, upper back neck injury type. Um, they've basically said he's going to miss a few games. Uh, we don't know what a few looks like yet. Um, they do not think it's season ending. But, I mean, that, that was the – Biggest injury that affects really the Colts currently right now is that T.Y. Um, is going to miss some time. It really does suck because it feels like Carson and him, even in the short time they've been together, just feel like they have a connection already. Um, so I really felt like T.Y. was going to be able to be his old self this year. Sadly, it's not going to be week one. Yeah, with 
Pat, I mean, first off, all these injuries are unfortunate to the team, to these guys, their families, their futures, their financial futures, and, you know, job securities, trying to lock job security this season. Um, With T.Y., though, man, you just – you just wonder. I'm not speaking for anyone but me on this. But when this news came out and Jason Spears was the first one to report it, uh, I couldn't help but think what would Chris Ballard's reaction be? I mean, he did not meet T.Y. Hilton's price. They were set to go separate ways. Jim Mersey intervened and he got T.Y. Hilton back. We don't know what those talks were like between Ballard and his agent. We don't know what the reasoning behind not meeting his price was. And I'm very curious to know what Ballard's reaction was like. His history was telling us he keeps getting injured. And yes, he's fighting through it a lot, but how much longer is that going to take? Look at what we did with Andrew. And he retired. And... What's going to happen with T.Y.? He's a lot smaller than Andrew. So I I really don't know what T.Y. Hilton's future is with the Colts now, man. I second-guessed it at first, but I have a very, very, very hard time seeing T.Y. Hilton in a Colts uniform in 2022, honestly. I just think another injury before the season even starts just – gets into Ballard's head a little bit. That's only me. I'm only speaking for me on this one. It's a back-neck issue, and, man, I don't mess with back or neck issues at all. I I don't mess with those at all. Those are serious. Those in, like, hamstring injuries, once you get hit with a hamstring, man, that tends to linger on for days, weeks, months. And it takes a while, and it's a sensitive part of the body. So when it comes to the back, neck, how long is that going to be – How is that going to affect him in his run blocking? Because we know for his size, he's a good, respectable run blocker. Is that going to take away some of, his, some of his physicality? How long is this going to keep him out? I, I, I really don't know, man. I really don't. For this T.Y. Hilton news, oh, man, I don't know how to feel about it yet because I don't necessarily think we've been given too many details. Uh, but I guess it's really just going to be a week-to-week thing to decide on how I feel about it all. And we'll see how they really feel about this injury um, come tomorrow, maybe Wednesday, Thursday, if they throw the short-term IR on him. Yeah. Um, you have to make the original 53 to use the short-term IR, um, which is still a pretty newer thing in the NFL. I believe last year was the first year they allowed this um, to where you can put a guy on IR um, – and designate them to return in a three-week window, um, basically. Um, So, I mean, we'll see how they feel uh, about this TY injury, really, once the 53 is set. But, I mean, I don't know about all the extra things like that. I want to see how on the injury looks. Um, The Colts, historically, since TY has been a Colt and since he started, really hasn't – they haven't won games without T.Y. Um, He's been a guy that they've really missed if he's not on the field. Um, Costanzo was the same way when he was a Colt. Um, So we'll we'll see how it looks. Um, I I do think the Colts' receiving room is in better shape to handle this situation now than they've ever been, Um, missing a T.Y. Hilton. Um, We'll see how this all goes. 
I'm excited to see what it looks like for Pittman. Um, week one is a better matchup for sure than week two if he's going to have to go. Oh, man, yeah, yeah. Um, going from playing on the second-tier corner to having Ramsey follow you the entire game is going to be tough. But, I mean, you you said it all offseason. I mean, the, you want tough. You, you want the best competition on a guy to be able to push him. So, I mean, we'll see how Pittman responds to the best because, in my opinion, Jalen Ramsey is the best corner in the NFL. Yes, easily, easily. I mean, I think it's him. And then everybody else, honestly, I think there's that big of a gap between one and two, honestly. So uh, for Pittman, I'm excited, man. I'm, I don't know if the Rams respect Pittman enough to have Ramsey follow, but if they do, whoo, man, I can already tell. I'm ready to see. Get these two guys mic'd up for this game, first off. Just get them mic'd up and don't bleep anything out don't edit anything just give us a full 10 minutes a 10 minute mic'd up reel of these two going at it all game i am ready for it um but getting into some i guess you could say more serious news now Destin, i'm going to refer to you on this one because the past 24 hours for me personally has been crazy my mind is everywhere right now um so I did hear earlier today that Zach Paschal, Ryan Kelly, and Carson Wentz are now placed on the COVID-19 list. And right now there's a lot of uncertainty going on with Carson. Uh, my understanding is that he's not vaccinated at all. So for a player that is not vaccinated and that tests positive, it's going to be kind of like last year. You have to be quarantined for 10 days away from the team and you will have to test negative for every single day, I believe. And if this remains, if this holds true, if he did test positive or he was a close contact, he's week, week one is in jeopardy for him to play. So, so thankfully, so, uh, it's already announced that Wentz, Pascal, and Kelly are all close contacts. Okay. Um, so basically what that means is all three – currently are not fully vaccinated whether they are not vaccinated at all whether it's one shot whether they're fully vaccinated and haven't fit the two week after threshold to be labeled fully vaccinated those three players are close contacts after a member of the colts coaching staff tested positive um well it wasn't the coaching staff listed i i should say let me correct myself it was a colt staff member um that had tested positive so close contacts to said staff member it sounds like it was something that was actually found on saturday wasn't announced till today so the players can actually be back on the field thursday if they test negative they have to have two negative tests 24 hours apart um, so basically they're just going to have to chill for the next few days. Hopefully we see them on the field Thursday. That would give them six practices to be able to be out there week one. Okay. All right. So I was waiting. I, I was going to refer to you for the details of it all because man, I have not been on my phone that much lately in the past hour that I was on my phone. It was just a whole bunch of crazy, stupid crap going on in Colts Twitter. So but Carson uh, can't catch a break. I mean, whether this is I mean, a, yeah. whether this is the positive of him not testing positive, but just being in close contact. I mean, this is the better scenario than it could have been, I guess. But yeah, man, his 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 indie tenure 
is just starting out crazy. I mean, he. It, it's interesting. So I mean, we'll we'll see what they think. I mean, six practices. If if the foot is feeling healthy, I mean, the COVID restrictions is, is not gonna is not gonna falter his leg rehab. I mean, yeah. he was he's already been out there running. They they were playing on him being a full participant this week. It sounded like. So I personally feel like, as long as they feel that the six practices are enough. Um, for him to go out there and play week one, I would expect that he's out there. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it still is not what we wanted. We wanted him to have two full weeks of practice under his belt of being a full participant. Yeah, and I I don't know for a fact what his vaccination status is. That's his business. That's not mine. Um, but what, what, what was I going to say here? Uh but his tenure in Indy definitely hasn't gotten off to the best start. And Frank Reich has came out, not, I want to say recently, probably about three weeks ago or two weeks ago, I want to say, he said he wants Carson to fully practice for two weeks before getting on the field. He hasn't fully practiced in like a month. So he's going to miss more practice. So if he does come back on Thursday, that's going to be what? Only four practices he would have. Before the I, Seahawks game, because I believe he would have Thursday's practice. Mm-hmm. Um, they would be off Friday through Sunday, um, normal. Monday, Tuesday, and it's a home game, so I believe Wednesday they'd practice. Thursday, well, and then a, Thursday would be a walkthrough. Thursday and Friday would be walkthroughs, um, and then obviously the game is on Sunday. Yeah, so. That's really just a week of practicing. So is Frank Reich, I'm not going to say go back on his word, but is he going to feel a little bit different based on what he's heard from Team Doctor, what Carson is saying about his foot, what he's seeing on the field? It, it's very, everything is in fluid motion right now. Everything's fluid right now. We don't know what is going on right now. Jacob Eason is taking quarterback one reps. I wouldn't even be surprised if, Brett Hundley even made the roster just to have another quarterback on the roster to take extra reps in practice. I mean, Sam Ellinger's hurt. Carson's not going to be at practice tomorrow or Wednesday for sure. So are you just going to, what, are you going to throw uh, Zach Pasqua at quarterback and just run scout team? I, I don't know. So I believe last Paschal, year, Zach Paschal's out, so. I believe last year they announced that Zach Pascal was the emergency quarterback. Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, so I think I remember that. So I do so, think you're down, you're going down the right path, whether it was on purpose or not. It actually was not on purpose. I don't want to make myself sound smarter than I actually am. But um, get getting into this a little bit, man. Now I I'm really not the biggest fan of this freaking conversation, but it's got to be talked about. Um, vaccination status. It's going to be important this year. Uh, me personally, I don't care. It's the player's decision. So if they have to miss, they have to miss a game. Guess what? Next man up. If that means more Jacob Eason season, then it means more Jacob Eason season. So it, it, I, I could care less. Um, but what 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 is your opinion, mindset? How do you look at this going forward? The season hasn't even gotten here yet, and it's already affecting the Colts. Guys like Greg Doyle, Stephen Holder. I mean, clowns of Colts Twitter right now are really trying to make them look bad, criticize these players. Where, where are you at with this right now and how it can affect 
uh, and possibly tarnish the Colts' 2021 season? I mean, it's, it's definitely something – it's the world we live in. It's, it's definitely a part that is going to affect games. It's going to affect players being available. I mean, the three players this week are just close contacts. They didn't even test positive, and they're having to miss days. Um, now think if they te- if this happened on like a Friday before a Sunday game. Um, so it's definitely something the team is going to have to look at and prepare for. To me, the biggest thing is we did not see it affect too much last year. Um, the Titans game was the biggest one, obviously. Um, losing Taylor, Autry, and Buckner in that game, not being able to be out there. Um, but the Colts as a whole really did a good job um, not letting it affect them too much last year. It didn't really come into play. So I think last year with it being way more – it was just way easier for players to be in this testing positive or getting close contacted last year um, with there not being a vaccine available i really do think it's going to end up being not as big of an issue as people are thinking it's going to be personally but it is definitely something that the coaching staff and the front office would not be doing their job if they weren't preparing for it yeah and if that means purposely getting jacob eason more reps uh doing what you need to do to get him ready whatever the case may be i i don't know if it's going to be an issue I wouldn't even call it an issue, but is it going to affect the season in any way? Kind of like what what you said. We didn't see it too much last year. I think when it was Autry, Buckner, and Taylor, I think that was like after Thanksgiving, wasn't it? It was like after Thanksgiving when everybody had family or they went. Nobody actually left Indianapolis, I don't think, so they had family come to them. And I think there was someone who was positive in Taylor's camp. Uh, I think Taylor had a girlfriend. Um, yeah test positive he was that he was contact that he was near for the holidays yeah he was close contact he never tested positive uh and that uh, even affected a game and so, then i i do believe that autry tested positive yes buckner was close contacted that yeah day, that game yeah so and that was possibly the biggest game of the year that was a division game and who and knows just so happened that derrick henry ran for over 200 yards just so happened right just coincidentally um but other than that man i mean it's i don't want people to overreact to if players do test positive or have to miss games clearly there's a huge overreaction in colt's twitter right now i mean you've seen it you've seen what's been going on and a guy's leadership character is being attacked questioned uh so I kind of don't want to be on Twitter if there is a player that has to miss. But uh, other than that, I mean, I don't necessarily think we have any more injury news, so to say. I mean, as it's been such a big news story this last offseason. I hope we don't have any more comes recently, come soon. Okay. All right. Thank, thankfully. Thankfully. So, uh, I think that'll do it for this first segment before we get into the Eddie McGillivra. Um, McGillivra. McGillivra. Eddie McGillivra. Sorry, Eddie. We're going to get into the Eddie McGillivra interview. But before we do that, we have a special, special segment. 
But yeah, this up next, we do have an interview with Eddie McGilvra, um, an NFL D-line trainer um, who just so happened to work with Quiddy Pay this last summer and does plan on working with him in the summers to come. So somebody close to the Quiddy Pay camp. Um, but this interview is sponsored to you guys by One Call Technology. One Call Technology is a managed telecom service provider whose senior staff has 100 plus years of experience in virtually every aspect of business communications, business phone system installation and services, managed telecom service providers, telecom carrier managements, and high-speed internet. Head on over to OneCall's website at www.onecalltech.com or give them a call at 888-585-8850 and tell them the Blue Stable sent you. All right. Well, other than that, before we get rolling with this interview, I don't really have uh, anything else to say. Destin, do you have anything else to say? Nope, nothing else that I can think of. So we're just going to throw you guys over um, to listen to Eddie McGilvra talk to you guys about his relationship with Quiddy Pay. Welcome back, Blue Stable listeners. You guys know me. My name is Destin Adams, and we have a little bit of a special episode with you guys today. Um, no Michael, no Rashad here, just me and a new friend, a new somebody that you guys haven't really heard from before, but I feel like you guys are going to really like what he has to say, and I may just mess up your last name, and I want you to tell me right away if I do, Eddie, but Eddie McGilvra? McGilvra. McGilvra. I feel like I was Welcome close. You were there, man. Hey. You were right there. And it's Eddie, not easy. You took your shot, though. Hey, my, my dad always told me is if you're at least confident, people usually won't even try to correct you in life. Um, but Eddie, Eddie here works with a number of NFL and D1 edge D lineman prospects, one of being Quiddy Pay, the newest first-round pick of the Indianapolis Colts. So – I mean, the first question, Eddie, I just want to jump right in, just hear your thoughts. Like, how was it working with pay this offseason? You know, it was actually easy. It was, which, which I say that because most of the time working with a guy for the first time or with a rookie getting ready for the NFL, it's a big adjustment on my part um, on kind of how we get ready through the process. But with Quiddy, it was almost like he was a veteran. You know, he really, really just absorbed everything I told him, everything I'd, I'd give him detail-wise, and he put it into action very quickly. Uh, he's a fast learner, and, I mean, you could just see that watching preseason. I know it's preseason, and, you know, you don't get too high or you get too low uh, on any player, but, you know, you saw you saw it pretty quickly how fast he was able to jump in there and, and show some of his, um, his up-to-speed rushes and – the way he plays against the run. So, yeah, to answer the question, you know, it was just – it kind of made my job easy. You, you may have heard my dog in the background. I mean, I think he was – I think she's just as excited for Quiddy Pay as I am. Um, and, that, and that's probably why she's having a little conniption over there. But – Got to love it. I mean, like you said, we, we've only seen a few snaps of Quiddy Pay so far. Um, so, I mean, it's only preseason, and it's a big thing as fans. You cannot overreact to the preseason. But it's hard when – I feel like the Colts have been really looking for that true edge rusher for a little while now, and you you just already see that promise in Quiddy Pay. So, the next thing I wanted to ask from you was, what are your thoughts on – 
overall, I mean, what you've seen from Quiddy so far in, in the preseason, what has surprised you about him so far in the preseason? What hasn't surprised you since you worked from him in the summer? Like, does he look much better already just from the summer? I would say he looks right as expected in uh, just from my evaluation with the short time that I worked with him. Uh, I knew he was going to be a problem against the run. Like there's no way these six foot six, six foot seven tackles are going to be able to work against his leverage. He's just too good with his hands and he's, he's, he's too strong. He's got too good of feet and he's going to kill people in the run all year. That was expected. I, I saw that in the limited snaps. Uh, what I was excited to see was his get off. And he's so good at getting off the rock and he gains so much vertical ground off his first step that, you know, it's really going to scare some tackles. And then, you know, off of that, just being able to work his combinations, I was, I was actually surprised he was able to put it into use so quickly uh, with his, which is rushes. But he really set up some nice stuff going speed to power, you know, speed to inside rush. He he's, He's very confident, you know, and as, as, it, as the game kind of slows down for him, week five, week six, you're going to start to be able to see, like, man, this, this kid is a, um, has potential to be all pro very quickly. That's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear, Eddie, exactly those words. Um, I mean, I feel like even the coaching staff has touched on that, just how quickly he's been able to pick some things up here and there. I mean, the playbook as a rookie, um, Coach Eberflus a while back in media availability, we, we were able to sit down with him. And that's basically what he had to say about Quiddy is that he was picking up the playbook super easy. It just didn't feel like he was a rookie in the room. It just felt like he's a guy that's been in the room for multiple years, um, which is, I mean, as a player, you're, you want to hear that from the coaching staff. And it's just really good to see that coming to fruition in preseason as well, just seeing that it's not just him learning in the books. He's able to put it on the field already as well. Yeah. I mean, so your experience of being able to work with so many different NFL, now NFL players, D-line prospects, like who does Pay's game remind you the most of, whether it's someone you've worked with in the past or maybe it's just somebody whose film you've studied? That's a good question. I, I can't off the top of my head, guys that he reminds me of, of guys I've worked with in the past. Um, maybe one rings a bell, a guy named Samson Ekubom. He's at uh, over at the Niners now. He signed free agent over there, but he was with the Rams for his first, you know, three, four years. Uh, very similar body types, very quick twist, great first step, good rushes inside out. Um, but guys I've studied, I mean, you know, the Colts have a, a long lineage of great pass rushers. If you look at like Robert Mathis, Dwight Freeney, even Justin Houston in his short time there, like he reminds me a lot of a lot of how those guys would work their set up their rushes off of their get off and, you know, work a corner, have good hand placement. Um, he had a sack against the Vikings actually off of a rush that Justin Houston actually is somewhat famous for. You know, that long arm club, that inside arm into the chest, club the outside arm, rip off, turn the corner. Um, it looked a lot. If you put up Justin Houston's tape, you, you'd see that all day long. So, you know, similar body types, you know, like a Ryan Kerrigan type of guy, six foot three, you know, 265, really stout against the run. I think I think that's kind of where I see it. But. You know, just from my experience studying Quiddy, even when he was at Michigan, he's very different because he can play all over the defensive line. 
And I think that's what the Colts got is a guy that's going to be able to play everywhere. And especially as he grows and the, like I said, the game slows down for him, you're going to be able to move him around a lot more than just keep him on the edge. Yeah. And personally, when I watched this film at Michigan, uh, the big thing that I noticed, I mean, I feel like Michigan, I don't want to say they misused him, but they used no, him a lot. No, 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 go ahead. Hey. Cause you know, I'm a look, I no hate on Michigan, but when I tell you they misuse their D linemen every year, I strongly, strongly like mean that. You know, they they run a very interesting system that does not translate to the NFL for those guys. You're not gonna see, you know, if Quiddy was in a four-three in a forefront attacking forefront in college, he probably would have been a top five pick, you know. So Michigan had no idea what they were doing with Quiddy Pay, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, who am I? Hey, I mean, that's basically what I was going to say is I just feel like they ran a lot of stunts. Um, they, they, they like to throw them in the interior a lot and just kind of rush from that. Honestly, they, they, they kind of almost used them in like a three-tech realm at times. Yeah, he's like a glorified three-down, strong side end, kind of played the four-eye. It was, it was tough to watch. You know, I had another kid at Michigan over the over the um, years, and actually this year too, a kid with the Packers right now who I thought was misused in Michigan as well. So, and and that's that's the basically the point is I just feel like when I was going through the scouting process of this past year, there was just so many different edge guys that I feel like people were trying to put above quitty in the rankings just because of sack numbers that they were able to put up in college and pass rush wins um all the other stats and i really just feel like quitty just got really he got the short end of the stick in the film of just because of how he was misused at michigan and i mean i mean already i feel like we're seeing that he has pass rush ability i mean i remember on draft day the colts draft quitty pay and nfl networks talking about the pick and somebody had the audacity to say that Quiddy Pay, once he learned some pass rush moves, is going to be a problem. <laughs> and I, I just remember sitting on my seat, like, you can't be serious. Like, you cannot tell me that you just wa- that you watched Quiddy Pay's tape this past year and say you don't think he has any pass rush moves. <laughs> well, you know, the thing with Quiddy is his pass rush, his toolbox actually translates to the NFL style rushing a lot more than a lot of college guys did. Um, he's got – an incredible use of his long arm. He understands that. And when you understand how to use that inside arm, you are a lot more valuable in third and long situations or even second and short, second and pass situations because you get a lot of play action. And you're going to see it if they don't slide to him or give help in passing situations, teams are going to be in a lot of trouble. I mean, and getting to this, I mean, I we, we've talked a little bit. I've I've heard some of your thoughts on what you think Quiddy Pay can be this year. I've heard what you thought Quiddy Pay can be in a career wise, but I want everybody to hear just how excited you got, you are for this kid. And so, what what if you had to make up some predictions right now? Um, you I mean, you can go any route you want. You can go sacked. You can go hurries. I mean, whatever numbers you feel the need to share from your heart right now, Eddie. Uh, but if you had to make some predictions for his rookie year and then also just as a career-wise, like what do you think Quiddy can do right now and in the future? Well, I think he's only going to get better every game. You know, staying healthy is going to be a key just like any other player, so we all want to see that. Um, I, what I think he can do his rookie year, you know, 
I think he could end up, you know, five plus forced fumbles type of a season. Um, I think he could, you know, potentially touch double digit in sacks depending on what happens. But, you know, that the an old saying that I've always stuck to is, you know, a great defense is only as good as an offense. And so if they're getting help offensively as a defense and they're, you know, up or or leading throughout games, that gives Quiddy more chances in those situations. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see him, you know, end of the year at the uh, rookie of the year defensively in, in that running. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Um, and as far as in a career, man, if he just takes it, you know, day by day like he does and absorbs the knowledge that he's learning from these other players and um, something that really struck me when I was talking to him when he was training with me is he reached out to some tackles uh, in the league, you know, and he was like, hey, you know, I watch your tape and he wanted to learn from them. You know, you learn way more from the other side of the ball like that. And so he's already on a great pace to be great. And if he can stick to that uh, script um, and we, you know, we have plans to get together in the off season, you know, it's only going to go up from there. So I think if he sticks to the script he's on, I think it's, you know, the, there is no ceiling for Quiddy Pay. Um, he can, he can write his own uh, book here and be as good as he wants to be. Yeah, I mean, the big thing I feel like fans don't understand, just the normal um, NFL fan, is how hard it is coming into the NFL as a rookie pass rusher. Um, I feel like guys expect guys to come in and put up like these 12, 13 sack seasons just because of they saw their tape. They think they, they can be great at the next level right away. But very few pass rushers come into the NFL and are able to put that up right away. Um, something that I've learned over the last year and a half, um, as I've dove a lot more into football, spent a lot more of my non-working time, um, when I'm not spending time with my wife, spending time with my dog that we got to hear earlier over the broadcast, but uh, is, is the fact that like there's so much more to, to pass rushers than sacks as well. I mean, quarterback hurries, um, just disrupting the pocket for um i feel like we saw um, an example that i saw in the vikings game wasn't exactly from quitty pay but another pass rusher that's on the roster right now his name's ben banagu and he he forced a rush into the quarterback in that in this last preseason game and he the disruption actually caused so much on the throw that the interception was just thrown right to a defender just because there was nowhere for the quarterback to step into the quarterback really had no more time to do anything. It was either getting sacked by Ben Banigou or forcing a throw. Like there's so many things that I feel like those pass rushers don't get credited for. So there's so much excitement for me to watch Quiddy pay this year, not just because if, I mean, he ends up with like five or six sacks, I don't want people to look at it and think, yeah, Quiddy only had five sacks because there's so much more to look for when, when you watch these guys. No doubt. I, I just want to see the, pro the progress personally, you know, not, not, a, not being biased to being a fan of any, any team, but having a lot of players throughout the league. You know, I, I study my guys tape. I study guys around the league. I study offensive linemen around the league. Um, and I'm, I just want to see the progress between, you know, if he does have a, a tough week, you know, and doesn't get the numbers he wanted or uh, doesn't get the stats or doesn't feel like he had good rushes. You know, how do you come back from that? You know, you got to you got to wipe the, the slate clean and be able to reload. It's a long season. Um, and I've seen guys go, you know, four or five games, no sacks, um, and then maybe put up two or three in the next two games, you know, and 
Um, you can you can average one sack a game in the NFL and be an All Pro, um, and end up you know making some serious money in the NFL. Man, you can average half a sack a game and make some serious money throughout your career. So it's not all about getting three or four sacks in a game. You know, you got to stack the bricks and and build up towards the end of the season where it actually counts. Uh, you know, those playoff sacks are more valuable than any other sack you're going to make in a, in, a, in a regular season game. So as long as you're getting better throughout the year, which is a big thing, especially for all my rookies out there, as long as they're progressing throughout the year and getting better towards the end of the year, um, I love to see that because then I have something to work with going into the next offseason uh, where we can really build it because they've seen the speed. You know, they're not going to be surprised by anything. For sure. And, hey, again, Eddie, I really appreciate you coming on, just talking all things Quiddy Pay, just talking about the defensive line in general. But lastly, before you go, I just want you to let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter or anything like that. Because the other thing about Eddie that I've realized following him on Twitter is, I mean, he, he's posting a lot of just – breaking down of the defensive line position. I feel like I'm learning a lot just by watching Eddie talk about this position, even on Twitter and the videos he's posted breaking down. I mean, he's broke down Quiddy Pay's snaps, even um, Colts fans that are listening here. But I mean, I feel like there's a lot to learn for some of these fans that can follow you on Twitter and other things like that. No doubt, man. I, I, I'm a nerd for football. It's, it, I grew up on it and you know, it's, it's, it's like a way of life for me, but uh, Twitter is it's DL coach Ed. So just DL Coach Ed, D-Line Coach Ed. Uh, Instagram, I post a lot of uh, of my rushes and other guys' rushes and um, some football content on there is just my full name. It's just Eddie McGilvra, E-D-D-Y-M-C-G-I-L-V-R-A. And maybe when this is posted on YouTube, um, the Twitter handle will be like right here and the Instagram will be right here mm -hmm. or something. Uh, but just so you guys know, I mean, follow Eddie. This is not like a, just because he's on the show, I'm telling you to do this. Like, I feel like you guys, have, you, you could learn a lot about the defensive line position following coach Eddie here, but Eddie, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. Um, but Hey, maybe we'll come on at the end of the year after Quiddy pay wins defensive rookie of the year. and We'll light up some cigars. Oh, no doubt, man. Hey, thanks for having me. It was, a, it was always good to talk ball. Anytime. But hey, you guys have been listening to the Blue Stable, the official Colts podcast of Fan Sided. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe, that like button wherever you're listening for a podcast. And make sure you're subscribed on YouTube if you want to see our beautiful faces twice a week here coming up in the season. My name is Destin Adams, and we were joined today by Eddie Milgilvra. And you guys have a great rest of your day. And as always, go Colts. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.